was handed a note that uh, our very own Natalie Stoner, I had the privilege of being Natalie's youth pastor for several years. She has been on the mission field the last three years in Hungary, is back home with us. Natalie, are you here? Pointing somewhere close by. Natalie, Natalie, I'm looking over there. You used to sit over here. After three years, you've migrated over there. So welcome home, Natalie Stoner. Thank you for uh, serving Jesus. It's great to have you home. You know, I was going to come up here and say something uh, really corny about being hungry still, and I just said I'm not going to do it. So I'm showing a little restraint after three years, so just uh, uh, be thankful for that. <laughs> Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. Today, as we continue our journey through 1 Peter, we're going to find a challenge for all of us on this Father's Day, for uh, those who are fathers, those who aren't, those who once had a father, basically everybody, uh, God's Word has a challenge for us today in His Word. As we've been making our way through Peter, one thing that Peter starts with that becomes very apparent, very clear, that's quite humbling, Peter paints a picture of who we are in Christ. And he uses labels, he uses terms uh, that describe who we are in Christ. And once you hear these things, you think, wow, God is calling us sinners saved by grace and yet have been made joint heirs with Christ. God the Father is calling us his chosen people. He's calling us a holy nation. He's calling us a, a royal priesthood. And with all these titles that God the Father himself, the one who has all authority, gives to us, you would think that we have a great deal of entitlement. And last week we looked at the fact that God is calling all of us to submit our lives. The entitlement that we have as Christians, the entitlement that we have as those who follow Jesus is this. It's serve others. Serve him as we serve others. The entitlement that God gives us for being chosen, for being royal, for being holy, is one of servant. One who submits. God told us last week through his word, submit to all authority. Today we see that God even cares about the marketplace. God cares about our work environment and that we are to submit to authority even there. 1 Peter 2, verses 18 through 20. Let's be mindful that we are reading God's very own word together. Begins this way. Servants. And by the way, that that word in the Greek is, is more of a household servant. God calls us in verse 16 his bond servant. This is more of a, a home servant. And I don't want you guys to get hung up on the word servant. In our culture, uh, this kind of sounds like slave or servant. What is he really talking about? Um, it's much different in biblical times. This is someone uh, who may have gotten into some financial difficulty and is trying to pay off his debt, but it doesn't have what our society thinks of it. And really, we can look at it as one who is called to be under authority to a boss. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Really, the Greek word there is where we get our word sclerosis of the spine. It's crooked. It's those who are crooked, those who might render harm. 
God's word is challenging us this morning, saying, servants, be submissive to your masters, not only those that are good and gentle, but those that are crooked, those that are unkind, those that are unreasonable. For verse 19, for this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, actually enduring blows, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and you suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Let us pray together. Oh, Father God. Oh, how we need to hear from the Heavenly Father on this Father's Day. Oh, how we need to experience Your favor. Oh, how we need to experience Your delight. And how in the world can sinners like us experience favor from a holy God this morning? Well, the only way that can happen through the work of Your Son and the power of Your Spirit is if You come... And you're pleased to speak through a broken sinner, a sinful father like me. And Father, that you would open up our ears to hear from you and to hear the voice of God this morning. And that you'd open up our minds to understand this text before us. A text that maybe that our society doesn't hold in high esteem, but it's your word. And so God, open up our minds so that we can understand it. Father, soften our hearts so that we can receive and embrace Your truth. Father, strengthen and empower our feet so that we can walk in light of this passage, in light of Your truth, in a way that brings us Your favor, Your pleasure, and Your grace. Father, the things that are said this morning that are merely my opinion or that are wrong, may they quickly fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are preached and spoken this morning, God, that are true, that contain the good news of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to make us more like your Son, our Savior, Jesus? We pray that you and you alone receive glory and that we receive great joy and great encouragement and great challenge this morning. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I really believe the most celebrated father-son relationship in our society today, or at least in recent history, is the relationship between Tiger Woods and his father, Earl. Even this morning, it's kind of ironic, this morning is the last day of the U.S. Open, a, a, a major golf tournament taking place in New York. Today, as I woke up and he was making my coffee, getting ready, and uh, spending time with the Lord, and making sure there's nothing on Sports Center I needed to see before I really spent time with the Lord, <laughs> there is a commercial by Nike celebrating Dad's and Father's Day. You know what it was? It was Tiger Woods as a kid growing up. And I can't tell you how many clips. It was an incredible amount of clips of watching father and son together, play together, on the golf course together, this instruction between father and son that led up to this incredible world's top-ranked golfer, Tiger Woods. I would imagine when Nike bought that airtime that they thought this would be great. 
Our man, Tiger Woods, will probably be near the top of yet another leaderboard, about ready to win yet another major championship. And on this Father's Day, is there anything better to celebrate and get Nike's name out there than to celebrate the relationship between Tiger and his father, Earl? Most of you probably know that Earl Woods recently passed away. As a matter of fact, uh, Tiger, in the passing of his dad, the passing of what he called his best friend, the passing of his mentor, the passing of his coach, walked away from the golf of game, oh, the game of golf for a while. He could not even bear to go necessarily play. He had to walk away and just mourn the loss of his father. As a matter of fact, this was the first tournament in which he came back to play in. And for the first time in his professional career during a major uh, uh, championship, he missed the cut. He wasn't good enough to play without the father's presence, even, even if it was a distant presence. And he was quoted to say, as maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe I came back too soon. Well, one thing we clearly see magnified between the relationship of Tiger Woods and his dad, Earl, is that that relationship of father's son greatly affected his worth ethic, did it not? I mean, there's no one who works harder at his craft, harder at his skill than Tiger Woods. And apparently, this relationship greatly affected his performance, too. You see, as Christians, our relationship to our Heavenly Father, listen, Christian, our relationship to our Heavenly Father should greatly affect our performance as well. Even our performance in the marketplace, even our performance in school, even our performance in the home, because of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, our lives should be reflected in a different category than others. The first thing is this, we see in verse 18a, again, looking back. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. The first thing God's word clearly tells us, especially thinking about serving him in the marketplace, is this, that we need to be showing respect to those above us. That God has called us in this role. And if God has placed authority above us, that we honor him by honoring those who are above us. Whether that be a teacher, whether that be a mother or a father, whether that be a boss, for those in whom we have to report to, to those whom God has placed above us as authority, we need to show them respect. And we need to submit to them. We talk for a moment to the young people. God is very, very concerned about your relationship first and foremost to Him. But He's also extremely concerned about your relationship with your parents. Now we looked at last week the reality that all authority was established by God. That includes your mom. That includes your dad. And all authority that God has established in your life. Young people, listen. You can't be right with God if you are not right with your parents. And God calls us, all of us, to submit ourselves to those in authority above us. Ready for this? With respect. With all respect. Interesting there. The word is is fear. With all fear. Now, now, the word Greek word fear doesn't mean like fear and trembling, like, oh no, please don't hit me. 
That's not what God is telling us in all of our authority. Look in chapter 1, verse 17. And it talks about, Peter says that we are to live our lives in fear to the Lord. Out of reverence and respect to the Lord. Then you look at verse 217. Again, uh, last week we ended with this. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. This word is translated here, respect. God cares about the way we handle authority, even our bosses and in the marketplace. And God says that we are to treat them, our bosses, and honor them, submit to them with fear, with respect, with all respect. Calvin says this about the word uh, that can be translated respect or obey, with sincere and willing reverence think about that god calls us into a relationship he tells us all authority is there because i established it you don't like your boss i've established all authority none's not there without me and i want you christian who are holy who are chosen who are mine who are in my apple of my eye i want you to submit yourself to the authority with all reverence and respect all reverence and fear All reverence and sincerity. Wow. That's what God has called us to do. You know, as I was reading through this, uh, I I was realizing that many people in our culture uh, also forget the fact that the church is an authority that is placed over you. That when you stand here to join Orangewood and you declare your vows before the Lord and before one another, the last thing you say, the last question we ask you, do you promise to submit yourself to the government and discipline of this church? Do you promise to say that the God has established an authority over us? By the way, Jesus Christ himself is the head of the church. But are you submitting yourself to the church body, to the elders of this church? And as you do that, let me, let me remind you that what comes with that is comes some shepherding responsibilities from us, but some following responsibilities from you. You know where things get a little squirrely with this? It's when marriages start going on the rocks. When marriages start going on the rocks and we are called in because God calls us to come and to, and to, and to pursue after the sheep and to shepherd the sheep. When marriages start going on the rocks and we start saying, hey, do you guys have biblical grounds for what you're doing? Are you in counseling? Come meet with us. Come into the church. Let us love on you. Because God hates divorce and God loves and he's the one who instituted marriage. And he's given you to us to shepherd and to care for you. And so sometimes we come into your lives and there's some strife there. We say, you know what? You're not honoring God here. And you know, we often hear you don't, it's none of your business. It's none of your business to stay out. Don't meddle in my life. No, it is our business because God has put above you for your good, for his glory, the church. And we will stand before the Lord someday and be accountable for what we've done. But our call, Christian, show respect to those above us. Well, it's easy when we want to look at giving respect to those who deserve it. That's easy. It says, for those who are good, uh, for those who are gentle, uh, if you have a good and gentle boss, if you have a good and gentle mom, if you have a good and gentle dad, rejoice. But if you don't, it doesn't mean that this doesn't longer apply. Look again at verse, the end of verse 18. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to th- those who are unreasonable, to those who are crooked, 
to those who are harmful. God's word is calling us, listen to this, this is a tough challenge, that we need to be giving respect to those who don't necessarily deserve it. Again, it's easy to show respect to those who are good and gentle. But what about those bosses who aren't? What about those bosses who are, okay, we can say it, jerks? What about those, those bosses that just don't seem to get it? What about those bosses that just they seem to be godless? What about those go- bosses that just their lifestyle may be repugnant to all that you know and do? God's calling us that we are to do right when others are wrong. Listen, how hard is that, Christian? But God's not saying, hey, listen, I want you to submit to authority because I set it all up. But if it doesn't go well, you, you got a little back door here. you got a get-out-of-jail-free card. If they're not acting properly, hey, man, all bets are off. No, he's saying this. I have called you to submit to authority. And not only to submit to authority, you got to do it out of fear. you got to do it in all respect. you got to do it in reverence. And you got to do it to the good. And you got to do it to the bad. And that is going to please me. And so, again, look to me and trust me. Doing right when others are wrong. You know what we want to do? We want to sit in judgment. And here's, here's the arrogance of our sinful heart, myself included, is we want to look and say, does that person really deserve my respect? Do I really need to listen to them? I'm going to filter them through my ears and say, let me look at your lifestyle. Let me see if I'm willing to submit myself. What are we doing? We're setting ourselves up as judge and jury of those that God put above us. And God's saying, no, 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 have faith in me. All authority comes from me. You don't have to be judge and jury. God is. They will be held accountable. Our job is not to sit and judge. Our job is to submit. And not just grit our teeth and bear it, but to submit with reverence. Wow. You know, I think that's going to be helpful here is for us to continue to look at the big picture. I've mentioned a few times, but... Some of you have a very difficult relationship. You may go in and and your your, your boss may be unrealistic. Uh, He may not be uh, someone you look up to or she may not be someone you respect. So let me encourage you to see the big picture. If all you can see in front of you is your boss and, and she's not what you thought she should be or he's not who you thought he should be, listen, look to the reality of Scripture. And say to God, God, you tell me that there's no authority in my life that you didn't put there. And God, I don't get this one. God, I'm really struggling. And listen, use it as an opportunity to pray and say, God, I want to surrender to you and I want to submit to you and I want to believe you and I want to understand why you put this person in my life. But there may become a time I never understand. But God, find me faithful because what you have called me to do, God, is to submit with reverence, not to sit in judgment. See the big picture that God is control and submit yourself to him. God is calling us to shoot straight with a crooked isn't that interesting? Don't play their games. If those above you are crooked, if those above you are harmful, listen, be different, be radically different. You know, it's interesting sometimes because really I believe that God has given me the ability sometimes to see through someone who's throwing a lot of baloney my way. And I think it's because I can throw a lot of baloney their way too, you know. And I got to be careful that I'm not just playing their game. That God has called us to be different. Submitting to the unreasonable. Listen, here's what I want you to get in your mind and maybe write this down. We need to be submitting until submitting is sinful. Let me say that again. We need to be submitting until submitting is sinful. If your boss, if she's asking you to do something that is illegal, if she's asking you to do something that is immoral, if, if he is, is asking you to do something that is contrary to God's law, 
Therefore, you got a higher authority. I, I know. I mean, some of you are in some really tough work circumstances. Some, some of your bosses are asking to fudge some numbers. You got to get that, that, that report's got to look good. We got to affect that bottom line. And some of you are going to ask to, uh, to look the other way. Some of you are going to be asked to, to do some things that aren't really ethical. And some of you may be able to say, well, I'm just submitting. I'm not the one who's really initiating this. No, no. First and foremost, you submit to the Lord. And you never have to submit in an area where they are asking you to do something that's immoral. Let me challenge you a little bit further. What about your time? I mean, some of you have, have, have bosses that are very unreasonable uh, with your time. And, and really, they're asking you to spend so much time there that's killing your family. That you're just not being the, the dad or the mom that you should be. And that's a tough call. It's not as black and white. But I tell you, when it comes to submitting, if they're asking you to stay to the point where it's a detriment to your family, and let me challenge you, listen to your spouse. If they're saying, you're never here, you're only giving us leftovers, it may be a time to start looking for something else. We need to submit till submitting is sinful, but we've got to look at it. How is it morally affecting our lives? And how is it relationally affecting our families? In verse 20, we realize that There's a sense where you sin, you get what you deserve. Getting what you deserve in verse 20, verse A. What credit then is if you sin and are harshly treated? I think there's a reality that here we need to see is this. Sin always has consequences. Listen, sin always has consequences. How often does sin have consequences? How often? Always. Always. It may not be immediate. and You may not see it. And it may not bear it fruit right away. But sin always has consequences. It's going to clog that communication you have with the Lord. It's going to affect your relationships around you. It's going to deafen your ears. Sin always has consequences. And your sins will find you out. My my mom told me that early, and she was so right. I hated it. But it's true. They're going to catch up with you. Why? Because God loves you so much, he's going to pursue hidden sin in your life and reveal it. Because he doesn't want it there. And he wants you to deal with it. He wants to bring it to the surface so you confess it and purge it so you can have that life and life abundantly. Sin will always have consequences. And God is going to be gracious enough to shine a little light in there and magnify and say, you've got to deal with this situation. Katie and I celebrated 19 years this week. Thank you for the cards and flowers. And... Well, we went away. Uh, we went off to a dinner and uh, to a movie. Uh, one of her favorite things. And we got there a few minutes early. We watched the twenty. You know those twenty minutes before the movies. Everybody know kind of what I'm talking about. You guys go to the movies, okay? Um, we sat there and watched the twenty. And after every little clip, we just kind of looked at each other and said, "Gotta be kidding me." I mean, the sin, the depravity, and. and you know, I, I'm not trying to be a, a prude. I mean, I, I'm not trying to just bash culture. I think God's called us redeemed culture. But you know what? There's times I just feel like God is calling us. When are we going to say enough's enough? That's the one thing I came out of there. When are we going to say enough's enough? When are we going to look at the sin in the world and say, I, I just can't take it anymore. I'm stopped buying that product. I'm stopped going here. Sin always has consequences, but we live in a society that's so bad it just numbs us to its reality. But listen, by sinning you will get what you deserve, but also what about the harder part in verse 20b? What about when it says this? Listen. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. What about in the marketplace when you are getting what you don't deserve? 
when you're doing the right thing, when you're being wronged, when doing right. I think there's something really important for us here, and it's this. There, there, there are those uh, in the church that will say, if you do the right thing, your life will be just perfect. Uh, and if you're having struggles in your life, or if you don't have enough money, or if there's struggles in your marriage, or if you're not buying, uh, driving a big enough car, if there's issues in your life, really it must be that you don't have enough faith, that you're not giving enough money, that you're not doing the right thing before the Lord. And I love the reality of Scripture, and it says this, anyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. If you do what is right, you may be treated wrongly. Listen, we live in a fallen world. And the reality is that if you go into work tomorrow and you honor God by honoring those above you, you do what is right, you do what is moral, you do what is ethical, you still might get fired. You still might be uh, suffering for doing what's right. But there's such good news. There's a Messiah who knows your pain, who did what was right and suffered unjustly. We can't guarantee, even to our children, I wish we could, for those of us who are raising kids, to say, listen, do the right thing, it'll always lead to you being praised. Do the right thing, it'll never hurt. Do the right thing, those around you will applaud you. The reality is, do the right thing, and sometimes all you'll have is the hidden smile of God. But I can promise you this, it's enough. Do the right thing, even when it hurts, being wrong when doing right. But you see, there's a beauty with this. Listen, Christian, there's a beauty for suffering, for doing what's right. And here's the part of the beauty. It brings us into fellowship with Jesus. In verse 21, we're going to get to this next week. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. Paul will say it this way in Philippians 3.10, that He cried out and says, I want to know God. I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. I want to have fellowship. I want to have this koinonia fellowship with Jesus with suffering. God wants us to know him through pain. And there's a part of knowing him that we'll never experience apart from suffering. But when we suffer for doing what's right in God's eyes, we see Jesus more clearly and he's more beautiful and there's a relationship with him that gives us life. Again, we've got to see the big picture. And the only way we get this is we see the cross of Christ. The only way we get this is when we see the face of our Savior. Listen, Christian, here's what God gives us. Having peace and favor with God and suffering. Listen, Christian, having peace and favor with God and suffering is better than worldly gain without the peace and pleasure of God. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe the greatest thing you can have is having that favor of God and having peace with God no matter what the world offers you? If so, you will be like Paul and say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Finally, we see in verses 19 and 20 that we need to be finding the Father's favor in suffering. You know, I've, I've had the privilege of being around a lot of dads through Band of Brothers. Even yesterday, um, a few of us went to an uh, all-African-American uh, uh, rally uh, for fathers. Uh, it was a breakfast up at, at um, the Hilton up in Altamont Springs, and, and I think there were three Orangewood people there. They were, we were the only white faces, and it's a big room for breakfast. And what it was, it was a bunch of men gathering and encouraging one another, kind of a promise keeper kind of, kind of event. But you know what men long for? You know what men are seeking? So many men, even in this church, are longing for? It's their father's favor. 
Some of us live our lives trying to hear from our dads, well done, I love you, I cherish you, and many never find it. Some of you here today, this Father's Day is a painful reminder, your father is no longer around even to give it. And our earthly fathers, they seem to give their favor to us so conditionally, don't they? We can't ever seem to get it or get enough of it. We always seem to have to earn it. I'm coaching some 10-year-olds for an all-star team, and I'll tell you, we're good. And last, last year, uh, the 12-year-olds went all the way to Williamsport, and we're thinking, we're thinking big, and, and uh, we're all excited. And, and I have the privilege of having my own boy on a team, my 10-year-old Caleb. And we were having practice yesterday, and, uh, you know, I blew it again. And, and, you know, it wasn't his best practice. And I just realized how much of, of my favor is conditional and how stupid that it's conditional on fielding a ground ball. Is that not one of the shallowest things you could ever hear in your life? Dads, your kids need to have from you your favor. And they got to hear it. And they got to know it. And you got to live it out. On this Father's Day, the greatest gift, dads, you could give for your children is your favor. It's your time. It's your love. It's your devotion. You see, the joy of the Son is to find the favor of the Father. The joy of the Son is to find the favor of the Father. And here's what the Scripture voice, verse tells us, this passage. If you want to know the joy of the Father, son, daughter, If you want to know the joy of the Father, it's wrapped up in suffering. Suffering, doing the right thing and suffering unjustly. It's wrapped up in doing right. The joy of the Son is to find the favor of the Father. But the favor of the Father, the favor of the Father is found in His Son. Listen, the favor of the Father is found in His Son. The greatest father and son relationship is not Tiger Woods and his dad Earl. It's the father in heaven and his only begotten son, Jesus. And the father who would delight in his son, delight so much in his son, that at times while he was here on earth, heaven could could no longer contain his delight. And the voice from the father would cry out and say, That is my beloved son. And in Him I find favor. I love Him. He is my beloved. Listen to Him. He is my beloved. Follow Him. You see, we find favor with the Father only one way, and that is through His Son. One of my favorite pictures in Scripture is right there at Jesus' baptism in Matthew 3, for example. And there you have Jesus coming to be baptized. And there you see the Trinity so clearly. You see Jesus, God's Son, being baptized. You see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove upon Jesus. And there you have that voice of the Father crying out and hearing what all of us want to hear. Listen, hearing what all of us want to hear. Hearing the Father say, That is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Do you long to hear that? Do you long to hear that? Don't don't all of us long to hear that from our Heavenly Father? In Christ this morning, we can hear it. In Christ alone, we can have the Father say, in you, in Christ, you are well pleased. No longer conditions because the Son's conditions He met perfectly. He earned it. 
Not only for who who He is, but He also completely fulfilled the law of the Father. He delighted, He gave His Father complete delight. And you ready for this? It's ours. In Christ, no matter who you are in Christ, it's ours. So we're free. We're free. Christian, you're free. Do you wonder, do I have the Father's delight? You may not have your earthly Father's delight, and it may be too late, and I'm really sorry. But this morning, you can have the Heavenly Father's delight in the Son and feel the pleasure of the Father to say, well done, I love you, you are mine, I'm never going to change my mind about you, I delight in you. The, father, the favor of the Father is found in His Son. And now we're free. If you have that, you're free. Listen, you may not get it from your earthly dad. But you got it from your heavenly father. Go and love. Love others and submit knowing that you've gotten everything you need through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Everything else is pale compared to knowing the Father's favor. As the worship team comes forward, we're going to sing a closing song. And the closing song is going to be knowing you. It's a reality where we sing this and saying, compared to all of life, it really is taken out of Philippians 3. One of my favorite passages is Philippians 3, 7 through about 10. I quoted 10 earlier, and it's this. I look at all of life, and I consider it dung compared to the, the incredible, surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Do you know that reality? Do you know the Father's pleasure this morning? If so, nothing else compares to it. Let us pray. And Father, thank you for the love that you have for us through the work of your Son applied to our lives through the work of the Spirit that knowing you, Jesus, there's nothing greater. And Father, I thank you that that frees us to submit our lives to the authority that you placed around us, to see the big picture, and Father, to honor you by doing what's right. May this song be our heart's cry in Christ's name. Amen.